This is a 980 CKNW podcast. It's time to check in with Rick Forchuk on this Easter Sunday. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. I'm, I've seen a lot about this film. I still don't really know what it's all about. And we are talking about Ready Player One. Yeah, it's pretty complicated, I have to tell you. <laughs> Despite its apparently lightweight theme, Jill, of life inside a video game, watching this movie, if you aren't, I would say, under 30, requires a great deal of concentration. Now, the first 10 or 12 minutes are serious and complex exposition to help us understand where this story might go, which is based on the novel by Ernest Cline. Younger audience members might find the going a little easier if they are serious gamers, which I am not, unfortunately. In short, we have a Steve Jobs-type genius named Holiday, played by Mark Rylance, who has created a virtual reality world called the Oasis, where most people in this future world, 30 or 40 years from now, spend all of their waking moments. America's cities are a mess, essentially ruins that are descending into rubble as humanity has pretty much given up on trying to keep ahead of the crumbling infrastructure and the search for some kind of quality of life. Instead, most people spend their time as avatars in the oasis involved in adventures of their choice, which can either make them or break them financially. We're told that they leave to eat or use the bathroom, but that's it. Uh, Rest of the time, they are in this virtual reality world. The film is absolutely rife with 80s references. The main character, a young man named Wade, played by Ty Sheridan, whose avatar name is Pazivo, drives the Back to the Future DeLorean when he's in the Oasis. We see the Iron Giant, who comes into play late in the movie, Chucky from the horror movies in which the doll becomes a murderer, and characters from Tomb Raider, Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, to name just a few. Everything with the label has an 80s reference, including a Rubik's Cube that offers the Zemeckis effect, named after the director of the Back to the Future movies. There's an evil corporation that wants to take over the country, while its citizens are engaged in their virtual world, and a potential romance between Wade and Samantha, who's played by Olivia Cook, whose avatars meet in the Oasis, but like most everyone, have never met in the real world. The action is non-stop once the battle lines are set, with everything from the T-Rex from Jurassic Park to the Godzilla monster from the Japanese movies thrown into the fray. The movie opens to the song Jump by Van Halen and moves quickly once things get rolling. It's complicated, the special effects are outstanding, the story has a great deal of creativity and imagination behind it, and it's easy to see why director Steven Spielberg said it was the third hardest movie he's ever made after Jaws and Saving Private Ryan. I liked it a great deal, and it's one of those films that I will have to see a second time, I think, to get it all. It's rated 14A for language, and for one suggestive scene, that's Ready Player One, Jill, and it's a heck of a movie. Yeah, sounds like it. Different uh, indeed. Uh, Very different from that movie, God is Not Dead. Yeah, A Light in the Darkness. It's also known as God is Not Dead 3. It's the third movie in a series of faith-based films that used the book by Rice Brooks as the inspiration for the action. Uh, That book was titled God's Not Dead, Evidence for God in an Age of Uncertainty. Now, the first movie, Jill, in 2014 got terrible reviews from most of the mainstream press, but it was endorsed by church officials of various faiths the world over. It cost $2 million to make, and it grossed $65 million, making it a huge moneymaker. So the second film, uh, two years later in 2016, God's Not Dead 2, was not as successful financially, having a $5 million budget this time and only putting $24 million in the till, but that's still not a bad payday. 
Now, this film shares several characters from the first movie and is led by David A.R. White, who has acted and played a hand in producing all three films. Once again, he is Reverend Dave Hill. This time, the crisis surrounds his church, St. James, pastored by his father before him, on the campus of a major university. There's been a concern by the university board that the land could be put to better use and that uh, there are political implications of a church on campus creating far too many issues around religion and education. When the church has a fire occur at the hands of an unlikely vandal and a person dies as a result, the entire community is enraged and inflamed. Reverend Dave calls on his nearest strange brother for help. The brother's a lawyer and if not an atheist, one at least who has questioned his faith for some years. There are several different sets of conflict here between the brothers, between the school and its students, and within the minds of several key characters. What I liked about this portrayal was the fact that the characters are complicated, they're not cardboard cutouts designed to further a specific agenda, and the outcome could have gone several different ways. Ted McGinley co-stars as the school chancellor, a long way from his time in the series Happy Days, and we'll also see Tatum O'Neill and John Corbett from Northern Exposure as the brother. Regardless of your faith or lack thereof, it's a better movie than many of its ilk. The rating's 14A. That's God is Not Dead, A Light in the Darkness, Jill. All right. Uh, just yesterday we were talking about how popular Netflix is and how many people uh, are tuned into the streaming service. It's still beating all the others, it seems, and that's uh, because it's got some great content. It does have great content, some of it that it makes itself and some of it gathers from other places. Uh, we'll talk today about two movies. Uh, one is called Game Over Man. Uh, it's 2018. It's an exclusive Netflix production. It will not be seen in theaters, not because it doesn't have talent behind it, but because it's been produced for its parent company by Netflix and will only appear on the streaming service. Now, for those much over age 30, here we go again with that number, uh, there may not be a lot of familiarity here, but for younger viewers, it is a slam dunk. Shot in Vancouver and produced by Seth Rogen and his Point Grey production company, it's the story of three friends who have created the ultimate video game, and they're all ready to go with their financial backer when he's kidnapped by terrorists. Adam Devine stars along with Neil McDonough, Lachlan Monroe, and Jerry Burns. The rating is 14A. That's on Netflix. It's called Game Over, Man. <laughs> Game Over, Man. Uh, also, Eye in the Sky. Eye in the Sky. I love this movie. Uh, it's uh, from a couple of years ago. Helen Mirren is perfect as Colonel Catherine Powell. She's a military officer in the U.K. who commands an operation to capture terrorists in Kenya. Aaron Paul from Baking Breaking Bad is uh, Steve Watts. He's in the military in the United States at a video game-like console where he controls armed military drones that are in flight over strategic areas. The setup and the logistics are deadly accurate as we see an event play out in which Islamic terrorists prepare, Powell believes, to leave their compound on the edge of a Kenyan city and go into the densely populated area to unleash their suicide bombs. Powell needs to have the drone pilot intervene and stop them with Hellfire missiles. But with so much at stake and so many players, Powell must first go through her government's ranks and then that of the U.S., with everybody's stake in the proceedings highly political. When a young girl selling bread settles into the target area, there's yet another dilemma at hand. Excellent movie, great tension and drama, and very believable, Jill. The rating's 14A for Eye in the Sky. Very good film. Good to see you, Helen Mirren. Amazon Prime. 
Yeah, Amazon Prime's got uh, The Ghostwriter from 2010. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is an excellent thriller that's been, I think, largely overlooked for years. Uh, it's set in the U.S., but filmed in Germany, largely because director Roman Polanski can't go to the States. It features a ghostwriter, played by Ewan McGregor, hired to write a set of memoirs for a government official. In so doing, he discovers some very dark secrets that threaten national security. Pierce Brosnan also stars, along with Timothy Hutton and Jim Belushi. It is a good movie. The rating is 14A. That's The Ghostwriter. It's on Amazon Prime. All right. Um, we were talking about uh, the God is Not Dead film earlier on, but uh, we also have uh, a reference to Jesus Christ Superstar on good old-fashioned TV. Yep, good old-fashioned TV. This has been heavily promoted. It's live in concert. It's a different imagining of the Broadway musical, dishing up John Legend as Jesus, looking at how this would have played out as a live concert event. It's set in the last week of Jesus' life. It explores the action from the viewpoint of Judas. And how can you go wrong with Alice Cooper as King Herod? That's tonight on NBC, based on the music, of course, of Andrew Lloyd Webber, Jill. All right. How can you go wrong with Alice Cooper in that role? It'd be worth watching it just to see that. Exactly. And uh, I tell you, Alice looks like about 40 miles of bad road these days. <laughs> He's not aged well. No, no. He, you, can, you can see his life on his face. Yes, you can. <laughs> All right. On that note, a happy Easter to you, Rick. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next weekend. Thanks, Jill. Same back to you. All right. That is Rick Forchuk. He joins us every Sunday, letting us know what's happening in theaters. And I must say, even after uh, Rick's detailed synopsis of Ready Player One, I still really don't know what to expect. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.